What's up, everyone, and welcome to episode number six. I'm your host, Joey, and today is another one of those days where I kind of fucked up. Um, over the last two weeks, there was lots of birthdays and shit, you know, it's life. But hey, I'm still dropping another episode, and it's going to be an interesting one, guys, and I hope you kind of stick around because there's going to be some interesting things that come up. Now, I kind of touched on it briefly last episode, but I went to school for game programming, and one of the things I absolutely love doing is building games and just building worlds. And even though I have no games released under my belt, that's okay, because in my spare time, I just, I love to create things, and, you know, so I have some big plans hopefully with that and even though there's no date set or anything like that that's okay um this will hopefully be a project that will i will be working on with the help of my friends over the next you know year or so however that being said i do hope to kind of give you guys a sneak peek and you know maybe something to talk about or send us a message about and you know it's really something that I'm putting a lot of passion into and I was going to have it a main focus, but it kind of took the side plate when I realized, hey, you know, with two kids and a full time job and then doing this podcast, I don't have time to do game development full time and, you know, come up with all these ideas like within a few months. So it's one of those things that I, I'm just like, you know what, I, I can't take on too much. I, I need time for everything. And I just I took a break. But that being said, like, we're exploring avenues of other options, and again, we will get into it. Now, I just want to take a minute to thank each and every one of you. Um, without your support, this wouldn't be really going anywhere, and I would still be doing it. <laughs> um, that's okay. I just want to thank you guys because the support means a lot and it really helps us to grow and one day, I don't know, maybe I could do this a little more often and put a little more effort into it and really dish out some good content for you guys. That's um, some hopes anyways. Either way, I'm still going to do this. So with that being said, please keep it up. Keep up sharing the likes, the subscribes, you know, share it with your friends. If you have any ideas, reach out to us on Twitter or Facebook at a next gen podcasts, or you can also reach us by email at a next gen podcast at gmail.com. Now, some other things that we're going to be getting into in this episode are I played Gladius over, you know, the, the last two weeks I put about, you know, almost 20 hours into the game and, I honestly got pretty bored of it, but I will dig into that later as well. I'm just giving you guys a brief overview of kind of what's going on. So, you know, I mentioned that we're talking about both, you know, my, my game design and stuff like that. We're, we're going to talk about Gladius. We're going to talk about Pokemon, possibly, you know, I, I'm going to bring it up anyways. I was hoping to have a guest on, but we'll, we'll see. And then... You know, from there, I'm just going to talk about the plans that we have upcoming for, you know, the, the podcast. We're trying to ramp it up, and even though schedules don't work out and I can't always line up game shows, it's okay. Because we do have plans. Like, I got two dedicated friends that absolutely want to do this, and, you know, they have been one big help. And I want to thank my other two guests, too, because they've been very helpful as well. So, you know, um, with that being said, I'm going to shut the fuck up. I'm going to cue some music and you guys can listen to me dig into some topics. 
All right. I have with us my brother. He goes by Moon, and we're going to be looking at Pokemon, and we're going to touch on Pokemon Diamond and Pearl. We're going to look at a bit of Pokemon Unite, and you know. Anyways, do you want to say hi? Yeah, thanks for having me today, Joey. I'm excited to touch up on on the games. I've been playing them over the past month in, in excitement for the release of the new Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl coming out, and I gotta admit, I didn't completely get through the games. I agree with you there. I uh, I had quite the experience myself with Diamond and Pearl. I was hoping to get the remakes, but uh, I think I'm going to hold off now after playing the original releases. So on that topic, who did you choose as a starter when you were replaying the game? All right. So one reason why I fucking hate Diamond and Pearl. All right. You get two fire Pokemon if you choose Chimchar. <laughs> if you don't choose Chimchar, you only get a Ponyta. Yeah, I I personally chose Chimchar because I did not want to choose Ponyta because I'm not very, I'm not a fan of Ponyta. Um, yeah, I agree. So again, I love my fire Pokemon. So this game just stabbed me in the heart. Now with your run in this, did you personally, did you grind your Chimchar up to a high level before the early gyms to allow for a little bit easier gameplay? Or did you even out your team? So my first playthrough, because I did this twice, my first playthrough, again, I started with Chimchar, but I also did a Nuzlocke. So again, that first gym wasn't too difficult because running the Nuzlocke, you run across one grass type and it just eats through the rock. And who did you find with Chimchar in your Nuzlocke? Who was the first like actually difficult opponent that you ran into? Um, I know personally for me, I with my Chimchar, I think the first time I died was actually against the... Uh, was against the Perugly, the team leader Perugly. He ended up hitting me for a crit. Or it's not a team leader. It was a Team Galactic Perugly inside of the Valley Winterworks. There was that one Team Galactic girl. She absolutely wrecked me, and I had to restart. Um, <laughs> I, I messaged you about it. I forget because it's been quite a while since I played. But she just she wrecked three members of my team back to back, and it was just a nightmare. those team galactics i find them actually sometimes harder than the gym leaders themselves yeah no exactly me too um i'm not a big fan of starting off with rock gyms i don't like rock types specifically and you know this game really pushed you to not pick fire (laughs) they really did the start of it really like between the third and sorry i think it was the second and third gym it just felt like it took forever there was so much grinding and it was not the most favorable and see this is where like i was a little thankful i played it on an emulator not that i'm a cheap bastard well i am a cheap bastard but (laughs) it's for the fact that you can fast forward and playing old games like this old rpgs fast forwarding just makes it so much easier you know 100 percent. what did you think of like the roster of like pokemon in the first few areas there I didn't dig too deep into it. One thing I do enjoy about this game is how easily accessible Rotom is early in the game. Once you complete the second or third gym there and receive cut, you can go straight back to the forest and go receive Rotom if wanted. And that is a super strong level 30 ghost electric type near the start of the game. And that could really help out, especially with... I, I'm not sure if you can still change the forms of Rodon these days. I think it might have been something to do with an event back when Diamond and Pearl were more popular and released. But 
Rodom is one of the strongest Pokemon in this game, especially the Wash electrical form, the Rodom Wash form. In the competitive scene, and just in terms of stats, its utility, its moves, its bulkiness, it is such a such a strong Pokemon. So that is one thing I did enjoy about this. That I know that's not so much to do with the wild Pokemon in the first few eras, but come second or third gym, you can get an insanely strong Pokemon, and that can really help with this game. Um, in terms of the wild Pokemon, I personally only grabbed Luxray. Luxray was the only Pokemon I really grabbed because I I played with Staravia before in the past. Um, I did pick up a Shellos near near the Valley Windworks because I like Gastrodon has really good typing, similar to Swampert in third generation. Nice bulkiness, nice special attack. If you throw a Shell Bell on it, which you can get relatively early in this game, it allows for keeping yourself alive a long time. But other than those two, I I don't like too much of the starting Pokemon. I mean, there's there's Zubats and Bidoofs and Ponytoes, but I don't really need any of those on my team. No, it, it, it was absolute garbage at the beginning, all right? I have a list here, all right? Um, route 201, you had a Bidoof and a Starly. That is all you got. <laughs> right? 202, you got Starly and Bidoof again, plus a Shinx and a Cricketlap. Okay, I'll take the Shinx, but that's about it. Yeah. You, you go to 203, they, they have an Abra, but that's the only thing they added. And then aside from there, you got uh, Oberg Gate and Oberg Vine, which were Geodude, Zbax, and an Onyx. So let me touch up. Uh, Onyx is a really strong defensive Pokemon. It can be used to keep yourself a little more bulky. And I believe by the time you get to Jubilife City, you can go to the um, like the western side and talk to this fisherman who has an old rod for you. And you can take that old rod and go and fish to catch a Magikarp. So that Magikarp turning into a Gyarados pretty early on super strong but that's that's well jubilee city is relatively early on in the game so in the abra you can turn into Kadabra by level 20 and then evolve it into an alakazam right away through trade so that is a another really strong utility tool like that can a level 20 alakazam that special attack stat of over 100 that will do a lot but i am agreeing with you you've listened two or three Pokemon that I would maybe use, and I'm not really using an Onyx or anything other than stalling, man. <laughs> and to get into it, okay, so our gyms, we had Roarark, which was a Rock-type, Gardena, which was Grass-type, and these are in order, by the way. Maylene, which is Fighting-type, Crasher Weight, which was Water, Fantina, which was Ghost, Brian, or Byron, which was Steel, Candice, which was ice, and Vulcaneer, which was electric. So, like, getting that Onyx, and then you're going up against a grass-type gym, and a fighting-type gym, and then a water-type gym, like, you, you don't got a whole lot of utility for it. No, that Onyx isn't going to do a whole lot. Really, I can only see it maybe helping out in Nuzlocks against some of the Team Galactic teams. Just use it as fodder, you know what I mean? Go pick it up in the cave, because there's not so many Pokemon in this game that you even want to catch. So if you if you need to throw something out, out to heal up your team, you can throw out an Onix, and that has a really nice defensive stat in Nuzlocke, which it might not die where a Bidoof would. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, you can't use items in Nuzlocke, so you, you can't use them in fodder as a way of 
some yeah. people do use some people do use items in Nemesis locks. Uh, it's it's a little more intense to not use items. Yeah, but if you do, yeah, or if you uh, don't, I, all all the more power to you. I went the fucking Dark Souls way, you know. I went fucking do or die. <laughs> Hell yeah, man! No over leveling as well. Yeah, yeah. That's why I have a list here of all the gym leaders. Um, Roarark, his ace is a Cranidos at fourteen. Gardena has a Roserade at twenty-two. Maylene has a Lucario at 30. Crasher Wake with his Float Soul at 30. Fantina with a Mag- Miss Magius at 36. And, you know, so on and so forth. I, I have all the Elite Four as well. I want to touch up on the actual gym leader puzzles in this game. When you mentioned Crasher Wake, I just remembered. I spent a good 15 minutes inside of Crasher Wake's gym there just walking around trying to figure out the water levels in that game because the water levels and the order it was just it's confusing and then when i finally beat crasher wake in the gym itself and i went to leave the gym i got stuck i couldn't figure out how to leave man i had to like reverse the puzzle it was why did they make them so hard why did they make the puzzle so hard so I believe I was on my way to Crasher Wake when I encountered that Galactic member that wiped my team. So I didn't get to Crasher Wake because I went to Maylene first because you kind of have that option, right? You can either go Crasher Wake or Maylene. Really? Yeah. So I thought it was, you finish up Pastoria and then uh, I, I just went and did Crasher Wake. So I'm near that part of the game right now. I just finished Crasher Wake went and followed this team galactic grunt you go talk to cynthia near the near the lakefront and then you go to route 210 i believe it is where there's a bunch of you get the super potion from cynthia you go up to the psyducks and i'm in the part of the game in that part of the game right now on route 210 after you give the super potion to the psyducks and i'm personally i i can't go forward because i didn't choose any flying type pokemon in the game so i don't have fly or defog right now which i have the hms but i can't use them and the fact that defog make if there's fog it makes you miss moves in battle i've died three times i've lost three pokemon inside of this area just from missing moves due to the defog i've never seen a pokemon game so gimmicky in the terms of the amount of hms you need to carry with you it's everywhere in this game it's rock climb defog you need to have surf with you you need to have strength and cut and i understand it's a part of the pokemon games but needing two dedicated hm slaves to make through the game it's kind of ridiculous to me. I'm currently only running with four party members and two HM slaves who are just full HMs because I'm not going to run garbage moves on my normal Pokemon because that's just a way to make my Pokemon die and make them pretty useless. See, with uh, Sword and Shield, though, we, we got a whole change to that HMTM system, and I absolutely love it. So it doesn't matter if you had HMs in like Sword and Shield because you can still switch your guys on the fly. So a system like that was just so much better. See, and that's perfect. What bothers me is I now have a level 14 Turtwig that knows four HMs. I got it from my friend on a trade because it's one of the best HM slaves. And now I'm kind of stuck in the game at like the 10 hour mark on Route 210 because I can't really go forward unless I go back, catch a Wingle, turn it into a Pelipper, teach it, fly, defog, surf. I just, because I didn't choose a Staravia or a Starly or a Wingull earlier in the game, I'm being punished now. I have to go back and get that Pokemon 
to continue the game, which it is a part of Pokemon. Don't get me wrong. You've always needed the HMs. But not having Fly and having to walk all the way back to somewhere to get a Wingle is so painful. Very, very painful. Now, I I, I told you I was going to keep this quick, but uh, we're we're getting into this. And do you think, like, that seems more of a developer choice? Like, hmm, if I put these boundaries here and if they didn't pick the certain kind of Pokemon, we're going to punish them and force them to go back. So now the game takes longer and they got to play it for more. And that is one of the most painful parts of Pokemon to me, to be honest. I know you can get through the game in a good 20 hours. All my runs take me a good 40 hours because I'm always forgetting I need to bring a HM Pokemon with me. So I'm having to run back and don't get me wrong. It's needed in the games to not make it too easy, but it's not even a point of easiness. That's just kind of like, a, oh, you didn't bring this. Now you got to go back and, and get this Pokemon, teach it this move so that you can continue the game. It's kind of just punishing to the point where it's almost not fun. Like it's made me put down the game for two nights now because I don't want to have to go back and grind. I am I love RPGs. Don't get me wrong. I love RPGs. I don't think I like to replay RPGs because replaying RPGs is when it starts to get like, why am I spending another 20, 40 hours of my life to do all of this story again? The story is the fun part of it. And when you revisit this game, not as a child, it's a little bit painful, I think. Yeah, and um, that's kind of like, uh, I just uh, did a little bit of a topic about uh, Gladius there. Um, not enough of a game to do a review on, and it's going to be part of this episode. But uh, we'll, we'll wrap up with Pokemon Diamond and Pearl here, because really there's not much else to say. So, you know, despite all of its flaws, let's give it a rating out of 63, because Cynthia's Ace is level 63. Um, what would you give it out of 63? So even with all the negative things I did say, it was such a nostalgic game to me growing up and remembering the, this was a game that introduced where you go, oh no, sorry, Emerald, you went to new areas to uh, to meet Pokemon. But I remember the Darker Eye event and the Shaman event were so iconic to me and just the whole game growing up as itself was iconic to me. I'm going to give it a 45 out of 63. Man, we got to stop. Like every guest I get on here, we almost give it the same fucking rating and it <laughs> just stop <laughs> because I'm right with you. Like it is a great Pokemon game, but for me, there is better ones. Like there's heart gold, soul silver, there's silver gold, you know, our emerald emerald is my favorite. Heart gold for me was so, such a good game. So much replayability. I, I've recently picked up another copy of that and I'm ready to play that wholeheartedly. And see, but this is the difference of age, right? Like you got the heart gold, soul silver, but I grew up with the um, fire red, leaf green, silver, gold. So I, I played the originals and you played the pretty much remakes. Yeah, well, heart gold, soul silver was kind of like the first remakes. It was, uh, I remember getting it brand new at like the age of 12, playing it with all my friends with the Pokey Walker. It, such a good time, man. Such a good time. I'm really excited to jump back into that one. And I got to say the same about Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. I am excited to go pick up my copy of uh, Shining Pearl because they do look, it does look like they have added a bit more life to the game. I'm hoping it bumps my rating up to maybe a 50 out of 63 on, on the new ones, but we'll see how those bugs affect the gameplay. <laughs> yeah, I'm seeing some day one shamans, which is kind of concerning. 
I hope it's no cyberpunk, you know, level breaking bugs. Well, I d- I did see a couple level breaking bugs. There's one inside of uh, Crasher Wake's gym there, where you can actually get stuck under the water and you cannot continue your game. You have to fully restart your game because the water drown. Like you're stuck under the water, you can't do anything about it. It's kind of unfortunate that now I think that's something we'll see with with any kind of remake when it's not created by Game Freak. When Pokemon's not created by Game Freak, there's not going to be as much love put into that game. I think. No hate to any of these developers, but Game Freak has been doing this for 25, 30 years now, or 25 years now, I guess. You know what I mean? They're a master at their craft. They can't be replicated. And now, talking about third-party developers um, with Pokemon games, wasn't Pokemon, um, what's it called? The one that you're addicted to right now. Uh, Pokemon Unite. Yeah. Isn't that created by a third-party developer? Yeah, so Pokemon Unite is actually made by the same developers as League of Legends. I see. Yeah, so, um, and it's run under the Unity. Sorry, it's actually run by, so I'm a little bit wrong on this. My bad. It's run by um, Timmy Studios, but they're a subdivision of of Riot Games. Yeah, so so Riot's the parent company. Yeah. And, And so you've been addicted to it lately, and how's that? Oh, Pokemon Unite, let me touch up on that. It's it's been an experience. As a MOBA player, I have I, I went into it expecting it to just be another kids another kids Pokemon game. No. There's a whole metagame. There is there's a lot to this. So in recent in the past month in Pokemon, to touch it up, they've been adding a new champion every two weeks. They've been changing the metagame every two weeks, pretty much with this game. Anytime they add a new champ, you will have that champion on your team. It will be the strongest character on your team. And then two weeks from now, when the new character comes out, you won't see that character that just got released anymore because it's going to get nerfed to the ground when the new one comes out. So the metagame's constantly changing every two weeks because you're getting a new attacker or defender. Like we're seeing a bunch, we're seeing an influx of Decidueyes right now. Decidueye being the starter from Generation. Oh my, I'm a little rusty on those, but anyways, Decidueye, he does so much damage, and just the attacker, there's so much to touch on Pokemon Unite. Sorry, man, I've been playing the game, I've put 1,400 games, or I have 1,400 games played in it now, at 10 minutes apiece. That's crazy. Um, I normally play jungle in it, jungle being the, the central lane, most crucial part of the game, because uh, you're going to be the highest level on your team, meaning you can kill everybody else on the enemy team. So choosing where you are for all 10 minutes of the match is pretty crucial and ideal for... Uh, to pivot and, you know, yeah, it's help push your team. Exactly. You, you're you the most crucial role in the game. I, I used to play League a little bit, so I, I do know the terms. Um, so maybe I will take a look at uh, digging into Pokemon Unite so we can play a game or two. I definitely suggest it, man. There's so much to the game. So, so much to it. It's still in its infancy a little bit, but there's a whole Discord group online, which makes it extremely fun and addictive to get into as a multiplayer game. All right. That sounds good. Um, I told you I wouldn't keep you very long, so we'll wrap it up. Thanks for coming on and talking Pokemon with me. Yeah, thanks for having me today. It was my pleasure to be here and definitely excited for the next episode. We'd love to come back and talk about some of those GameCube games I have collected dust over on the shelf. No problem. I've been recently playing Chibi Robo, so maybe uh, blow the dust off that.
Sounds good to me. All right. Take it easy, guys. All right. I'm going to cut it to the, I don't know if I'm going to cut it to the outro or the next segment, but I'll see you guys in a bit. everyone in this section um i'm gonna start off with what i'm playing um recently i bought kotor for the switch and i've been playing through that i've started two playthroughs already i've probably put about i want to say seven hours in each run one kind of as a gunslinger and the other one kind of as a sword fighter and hopes to later make it a lightsaber and, you know, I have Chibi Robo on the go, some plans for Halo 2, and that's pretty much about it. And still playing Shining Force, still playing um, Fantasy Star 4, so hopefully I'm going to do some things with those in the future. I also bought some indie games. There was, um, now back in the Wii days, we had Wii Sports and there was bowling on there. Well, I found this $3 game on the eShop on the Switch there recently that is pretty much Wii Bowling. Um, there's some cool game modes in it. It's a little hard to, you know, use the controls. We tried the TV. It's a bit finicky, but once you get it, you get it. So that was a pretty cool find. So far, there's been nothing new on the art front, and like I mentioned in the intro, it was my wife's birthday, my mom's birthday, and both my daughter's birthday over pretty much the last two weeks. So it was pretty busy. Now, I mentioned in the intro that I uh, put some hours into Gladius, and that was kind of like a gladiator fighter back in the GameCube days, and... I remember it being a lot of fun. I used to love it, but um, playing through it, you know, I put 10 hours into it, and I really didn't feel like I progressed very far. I felt the combat to be pretty boring, and I just felt overall that the game just kind of went flat after, you know, three hours. Now, I didn't finish the first area, even playing after 10 hours. However, you know, I had all my characters up to max 5. You get to recruit new gladiators, which was fun. There was all sorts, you know, you, you get everything from beasts to, like, um, a shaman. It was like a mongrel shaman. There's, you know, gungiers that throw the spears and shit. It, it was had the potential to be a really good game and when you do attacks they give you this bar and you time your button hits to perform damage and it, it was a great system but after doing this you know like 30 40 matches it's it's a little boring and they do try, like, they give you different matches, there's, like, destroy the barrels, the one who destroys the most barrels wins the round, and that's interesting, because th when your opponents have gun ears, they can throw them from a distance and destroy them from a long range, so you really have to think about it, and another cool one, I guess, was King of the Hill, but again, once you got your unit kind of placed on top of that hill, it was just hold off 
and I didn't really have a problem once my unit was placed there. So, like I said, there's two main kind of campaigns that you play through. One is with the school in Imperia, home to like a strong military mentality, and soldiers who consider their northern neighbors uncivil uncivilized. And the other one is a school in Nordog, where witches and woodland beasts dwell, and who in turn detest the Imperials for their desire for greater conquest. And, you know, there, there's a really great concept here, but it's just, I really felt the combat fell flat after a few hours without having us progress through the story a little faster, because you have to beat tournaments in order to get to the championship and once you beat the championship you unlock the next region but in order to fight in the tournaments you need to win so many battles at that place to have so many points to fight in that tournament so it was a lot of you know you go to this place you fight in these leagues you win enough leagues to fight in the tournament and then you fight in the tournament just to win the tournament to go to the next place and do it again and then once you finish that, it unlocks these kind of like league level two. So you got to go back to almost every town and fight in league level two. And so it was just really time consuming to do that all. Um, in my second playthrough with the kind of beast nation there, um, I'm pretty much done the first area. I just got to clean up the second missions i just like i said i got really bored and it fell really flat now i might go back to it just because i remember later on you get like minotaurs and stuff and i really want to kind of give it the chance it deserves however you know th those first four hours were brutal they they needed more than just arena fighting in order to flavor it up and throw it up now this game does offer a multiplayer. There is two game modes, a co-op and a um, kind of just a battle mode where you fight against each other. I might try playing through this game again with my wife. I, I don't know, maybe that'll help, maybe it won't. I have no idea. I just figure maybe playing with someone will kind of help spice things up. Now out of curiosity, I went and also looked up kind of the scores it got back in the day and on GameCube, which is the version I played, it got an 82 on Metacritic out of 100, which was pretty good. So, like I said, my memories can't be that flawed if back in the day it did receive this. I'm just saying, compared to today's standards in gaming, it really kind of falls flat. I think it'd be really cool if the people who did XCOM would take this game over and, you know, spice it up a bit. They have the system there with their engine and without creating so big of environments and giving us more ranges in the arenas, I think they could really polish a really good game. You know, you, you top that off with a good cemented story and, you know, some good interesting characters and you spice that up with some interesting recruits and weapons and you know a good leveling system that feels like you're you're earning it because in gladius it's you, you do a lot of fights and you earn a lot of experience before you level up like hitting level five took me probably 10 hours anyways i just didn't really think there was enough there to do a full episode 
So that's why I'm just kind of adding it into this one because I used to love the game, but it just replaying it, I it was dry and you know I, I was really stoned. So I thought that would help, and it didn't. And, you know, it it is what it is. Take it how you will. If you love kind of turn-based simulator gladiator games and that's all you're looking for and that over and over with you know some kind of variety in the environments then this is probably the game for you but if you're looking for a lot more variety and you know you like your environments to be different not the same throughout you know 20 battles then this probably isn't what you're looking for now I'm going to just kind of shift lanes now and over the last, I want to say three, maybe four weeks, I've been really digging into kind of D&D and not just 5e, but kind of the history, you know, who Gary Gygax is and, you know, just really looking at that past. And it's kind of an interesting theory, but before Gygax came and stepped up with D&D with Dave Arneson, what was out there was fictional works by, you know, token and stuff like that. So it's really, there. there's this big question, you know, and that's, did Gary Gygax really help push, you know, fantasy games in Western society? And I look at it as it kind of blew up and then we had the whole satanic panic there, which tried to undermine it. And it withstood that. It withstood the test of time. And to this day, we still have D&D around. And because of it, it has inspired games that we know and love that are, you know, hit franchises to this day. And one big example of that is Skyrim. A lot of Skyrim is based off D&D. Another game that I've been recently playing, like I said, that has a lot of D&D core mechanics in it is Knights of the Old Republic um, KOTOR on, you know, Xbox. And I recently bought the Switch version and, you know, you, you can really see in their stats that it is a lot of core D&D. You start off with only so many points and your stats can't go over 18 to start. You get different feats and, you know, it, it's really cool just to see how much the effort of a few people can really revolutionize the industry, you know. And even though, aside from the controversy, you know, um, the whole halfling and hobbit scenario, it is still here, you know inspiring people creating adventures and we have so much to thank for it i'm currently in talks with a dm myself and whether or not we do a show about it or not is all up in the air nothing set in stone it's just talks and even if we don't do it for show it's one thing i've always wanted to delve into and learn about and it kind of connects to what i have about my world building so I don't really know what I'm doing with it, and I don't want to talk about it too much and dig into it too much over the podcast right now because it is very, you know, pre-pre-alpha, but I will give you guys a snippet and a sneak peek into kind of the world his history, sorry, about what I have going on in my game and kind of, it's kind of a sneak peek into what I envision, you know, the kids sit down for class and hear a lecture or a video on. 
Now, that being said, I did say it is like pre-pre-alpha. Everything is suitable to change, and of course it will. I do plan on, you know, diving into it deeper, exploring more, you know, discussing with some people and coming up with some more, you know, things that make sense and things that I can add to make it more interesting not that it's not interesting as you guys will find out but i just want to create this world with a deep lore that i feel people would respect and really want to dig into but i also want to pay homage to great people who have done great things for games and pop culture in general and it's something you can't really rush and another big part is if you've ever tried creating something, you, you know for a fact it's hard to come up with something out of nothing. Now, I'm working with this idea that there's not really a lot to reference on the internet. And you have to try and create this stuff on your own, in your mind, and on paper, and put it into words, and... If you have ever tried describing something that doesn't exist, that you can't visualize, and that is, you know, let's say fourth dimensional, it's very hard. And to put that into words is extremely difficult. So, you know, it's going to take us time. We're going to slowly work on this, but I really hope we can end up with an end product that we're all proud in and whether or not what we do with it is either what I want to do or plan B, that is absolutely okay with me. Now, I still do have plans. Tenchu is still on the hook for being recorded. Um, it was my fuck up again. It's okay. Life happens. Shit happens. Like I said, lots of birthdays, man. <laughs> you, you become pretty busy. Um, but that's okay. We will have you that episode, and I will get it to you as soon as I can, and I will upload it on a Tuesday, like I upload things. Well, I'm going to end this portion right here, and we're actually going to cut to the clip about the world history of Ethra. And kind of like I said, imagine yourself, you know, sit down, and if you're not driving, sit down. Close your eyes, open your ears, and your mind, and just listen to this world that I have created. This world I am slowly building for you guys. One day, there was a bright light in the sky. They say that light was a solar flare. What happened next would affect our world forever. We called it the first encounter. It was the day we discovered the race we now call Bites. We learned our worlds are connected and that with enough equipment and research, we can go to the net. A place we thought only existed in our computers was now within our reach to visit in person. After several years of learning to adapt to our new world, we started to see our race mixed with the Bites. Demis, we called them. They were free to come and go anywhere they pleased. With the help of the Demis working on the equipment to get us to the net, we finally achieved it. 
than the second encounter happened. The world split and tore, adding places from the net to our world, and from the depths the viruses crawled out. Born from absolute malice, the second they came to our world, they destroyed everything in their way. These viruses were some of the biggest that have ever existed. We think they came into existence the same time as the bite did. However, we are unable to conduct research. Every team we send to investigate never comes back. The bites say they came from somewhere called the Malweb, but they won't tell us where it is. A war waged between the viruses and the humans and bites for almost a hundred years, until a treaty was put in place allowing the viruses to live among us, and the birth of a new task force dedicated to stopping virus crimes. It was aptly named Virus Interception Patrol, or VIPs. However, they don't often deal with viruses anymore, but more things from the malweb and glitches in the net. Alright, and that about does it for this episode of the Next Gen Podcasts. I want to take a second just to thank both Moon and my beautiful, lovely wife for coming on and doing some parts of the show. I hope you guys enjoyed it. You know, keep up with the likes, the shares, the follows. It really helps us. It means a lot. And, you know, it's really helping us grow. There is an increase in our numbers. It's slow and steady. But, hey, just like that old kid's book says, slow and steady wins the race. Like I said in one of the parts of this episode, we do have Tenchu lined up. I have not forgotten about it. It will be coming to you guys. I'm not going to guarantee a date. It is around the corner. Um, as soon as it's filmed, I will know more. Um, I actually did record the intro-outro for it, for this episode, but I obviously had to scrap it because it's not this episode. So, um, it is coming. Thank you guys once again, and I hope you guys have a fabulous week, weekend, whatever it is, whatever time it is you're listening to us. And, you know, just generally stay safe out there. Alright, this is your host Joey, and have a great day, guys.